0: Marcus Stitz loves cycling. He's cycled across South America and around Europe. He's competed in cycle races around the world, and in 2016 was the first person to cycle across the globe on a single speed bike. Hi, I'm Nick Warren, and welcome to this week's I Learn podcast, in which Marcus talks about his love of cycling and the leadership lessons he's learned as a result of his adventures.
1: Hi First Quantum Leaders, I am Marcus Stitz and in 2016 I became the first person to circumnavigate the world on a single speed bike. Since then I have developed bikepacking, a new form of cycle touring mainly through the creation of new routes in Scotland and by sharing my adventures as a photographer, filmmaker and writer. One trip that stood out was my visit to Kyrgyzstan last year to take part in the Silk Road mountain race, one of the hardest bikepacking races in the world. Before the race I spent two weeks in the country to prepare, as one of the passes climbs as high as 4040 meters and several others come very close to the altitude. The effects of high altitude on humans are considerable and they are amplified in a bikepacking race where recovery time is minimal and a lack of sleep is the status quo. I used my pre-race journey to give my equipment a final test but also to adapt to the altitude as best as I could. I wanted to get to know and understand the environment I was cycling in to be best prepared for the race. While this southernmost outpost of the former Soviet Union was culturally very different, Kyrgyzstan often reminded me of my past, growing up as a child in the eastern part of Germany. Travelling through the vast mountains of the Tian Shan brought back the memories of my childhood and the gift that was the fall of the Berlin Wall. On the 9th of November 1989, when I was 10 years old, I gained the freedom that made me the person I am now. It is the most precious gift in my life as it enabled me to seek out the many opportunities that have shaped me since then, culminating in a 34,000 km journey on a bike with one gear around the world to 26 different countries. But let me take you on a ride on the Silk Road mountain race to illustrate how much perseverance was needed to finish the race in 13 days, 7 hours and 3 minutes. Out of 140 riders, there were only 70 finishers, including 50 solo riders and 10 pairs. In mid-August, I start in Bishkek. On the first day of the race, the weather suddenly changes after 25 degrees and sunshine in the morning. First to rain, then a blizzard on the first major pass. The temperature drops as low as minus 10 at night, leaving the water in my drinking bladder and my socks solidly frozen after just a few hours of sleep in a tent. This is August, the second warmest month of the year, and this is just the beginning of what is to come. DNF is the abbreviation for a did not finish. I don't want a did not finish next to my name. The first time I am close though, is when a spoke on my rear wheel rattles itself loose on a descent from checkpoint 1. For a short moment I am utterly annoyed with myself for not recognizing the loose spoke and getting too carried away by the first long downhill in the race. I sit down, have a coffee and stay at my bike, resting upside down on the handlebars and settle in the dust, while others cruise past. After a few minutes of self-pity I remember my friend Jenny's mantra, Fix your own problems. Fixing problems on my own is the only option here. To fix my wheel and to keep my tubeless set up, I spent more than four hours outside the cafe trying to rattle the nipple out of the rim. Once the nipple is out, I can place the spoke into the wheel and retighten it but it takes another couple of hours to reseal the rim tape. Finally I succeed with the help of a small piece of plastic cut from a toothpaste wrapper and isolation tape. I have never improvised a repair like this before, but it works. With some luck I found a compressor to reseat the tire and push on. During daytime, 40 degrees aren't unusual. It is the difference in temperature that has driven my body over the edge after a few days and passing checkpoint 2. Arriving in Narin, I find myself pushing the bike on the side of the busy road, shaking violently. Together with another rider, I find a place to eat, but I'm too sick. Instead, I spend about an hour sleeping on a couch in a restaurant, almost throwing up when I force two cold penny into my mouth. Shortly after setting the bill, I carry the remainder of my lunch in a plastic bag with me hanging from the handlebars. I feel weaker with every step. I am seriously ill. The dust from the from every car that passes combined with inhaling unfiltered diesel fumes make the situation worse. I stumble across the main road and stop a man walking past. He looks like a tourist and advises me of a hostel just a few hundred meters away. The owner of the hostel speaks pretty good English, but the place is fully booked. I am shaking. I am not sweating at all. Looking at the information online, it is clear that I suffer from a heat stroke. There is nothing I can do other than resting. I fall asleep. At 4 a.m. I wake up in a cold puddle completely covered in sweat. While I still feel weak, some life is creeping back into my body. In no other circumstances, I would cycle on and treat myself to a day or two off. But this is still a race, and the clock is constantly ticking. Forcing breakfast into me, I have a quick conversation with the family, pack my bike and head off. While I'm weak and much slower, I still make progress. In the next few days I try to recover from the heat stroke. Just as I'm almost back to normal I experienced this bout of foot poisoning at checkpoint 3. By now I'm way behind schedule, stopping is still not an option. The road has long disappeared. All that is left is a steep slope with loose rocks, covered by patches of snow, which are now frozen. In the absence of crampons I carefully balance my feet in the frozen footprints. Slowly but surely I move forward, one step at a time. One wrong step means plunging hundreds of meters into a deep gorge. I hold the bike firmly with my right arm. Whenever my doubts flare up, I have to suppress them. This is an unforgiving environment. There is no place for negative thoughts here. Focus is needed and perseverance. My torch is flashing every now and then, a sign that the batteries are running low. I have a backup light, but I would rather keep moving until I'm in a safe place. Suddenly, I see a red light flashing in front of me. I can hear voices. About 10 minutes later I manage to catch up with other riders and find a place to camp. A few days later I'm about to finish the race. On the last descent my front wheel loses traction in the sandy rut and I go down straight afterwards. I swear loudly. Blood is tripping from my right knee. I have a cut in my rear tire from the sharp rocks. My arms are sore, the rest of my body is equally battered. All I want is to finish but it will take another 2 hours until I reach the final stretch of tarmac to chop on Alta. When I finally roll over the finish line I am 10 kilograms lighter, my tight-fitting shorts and jersey hang loose on my body and I am completely covered in dust. Although the race has thrown a lot of unexpected situations at me, scratching never crossed my mind. While I was highly experienced and properly prepared for the challenges of the Silk Road mountain race, Some situations were seemingly out of my control and needed fresh approaches to overcome them. I had a great team, but in the end it was down to me to get through this. I needed to make good decisions and to embrace the challenges. I fixed my own problems, but I also enjoyed the rewards during the race, but especially at the finish. The Silk Road mountain race required a lot more self-discipline and resilience than I had imagined but being constantly reminded of my freedom and that all of what I was doing there was my own choice helped me to overcome those challenges, even when put under extreme physical and mental pressures. Thanks very much for listening, and I hope my story gives you the motivation to push on, even when it looks seemingly hopeless to do so. The finish line is often much closer than you
0: think. That's it for this week's episode. You'll hear more from speakers like Marcus when we launch iLearn, First Quantum's new learning system, later this year. But in the meantime, we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Everybody involved gave their time for free. There will be a new speaker, a new episode out next week. Until then, thanks for listening, and see you next time.